Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Serene, bringing your favorite twin talk of the week. And in this episode, I wanted to talk about social media and also entertainment. I know this is part of everyone's lives and is becoming more and more important each day. Everyone is on social media. Everyone has an account and is the way they interact with their friends. But sometimes we don't see behind the mirror, you know, behind the glass of our phones, what's really going on. So we wanted to touch upon some topics that might not be so lighthearted, but are really important to think because we're all part of this huge machine, right? So let's discuss it. Mm -hmm. So let's just start off. Maybe we can talk a little bit of the positives of social media. So it's not that we are all we're criticizing the entire social media platforms because it can be useful, you know. Um, sometimes something happens and then you can easily spread the information around, you know. People could be rescued in a situation if they put on social media. I've heard people were like on a flood and a boat came up to, to rescue them. So it's not all that bad. So, and I think especially because of the pandemic and everybody having to isolate themselves and not seeing their, their friends or family, maybe social media was really useful to keep you connected and to also um, get this feeling of, of proximity, even though you're not um, knowing what they're doing, even like what they're eating or whatever, you know. I think knowing those everyday things makes us feel at least feel that we are closer to someone, like we know what's going on in their lives, right? What, what do you think? What have you seen that was like a very good thing about social media, maybe in your own personal experience? Yeah, like you said, for people who live away, like ourselves, you know, we live alone and we're far from our families and we don't really see our friends every single day. So we don't exactly, for people who don't really go to a workplace or university or whatever it's hard to have social interaction so I think social media kind of provides this social contact that humans crave in general so in that case is really good and you can keep up with everyone's lives even though you're apart so you, you kind of feel that you're still friends you're still close because you know what's going on with them so I think that's a, a good point but also you need to think about what's going on as well right But I feel like um, in this situation, this particular uh, situation that we are far away from each other or that, like in our case, we're living in a different country, can be really useful. But what about, you know, young people who see them, their friends every day using social media? The experience is very, very different because it's not like um, really to get in touch with someone, but it's really about showing up with a different persona somehow, or trying to portray an ideal image of who you are, of, of your lifestyle, or, or, you know, any of those things, when actually that may not be the case, or they it must be even causing some pressure on them to be able to portray themselves in that way, right? Mm. So, I totally yeah. Yeah. Even the day-to-day -day use of social media, depending on the person, depending on the case, can be quite murky you know, can be a little bit detrimental already. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think also the way social media is built in, you know, the platforms and everything, people can get really distracted by social media, I feel. 
because the information is so fast and like it's like your eyelids are twitching with like constantly new information and just keep scrolling especially like platforms like tiktok or now instagram has reels and all those things it's the attention span span is really really short and it's really hard to see how this is going to work and i think a lot of big power is using that to their advantage you know because it's good for them for population to get distracted so they don't pay attention on big topics or things that matter to, to them, right? So we were discussing some points you wanted to touch upon this video. And the first one is like the politics of bread and circuses. And I feel like social media applies to this because if you think about it, this bread and circuses has been used, have been used historically. It started in the Roman Empire Go ahead. Maybe we can explain first what, what it is, right? Maybe some people never heard yeah. of this term. Yeah, so I'm going to explain like with the term, because if you think okay. about it, like bread and circuses is like food and entertainment. So you let people get the food they need, let them be fed their basic needs and let them be entertained and they won't complain. They won't act against the government. They won't do anything to cause upheavals or change right in yes. so like i said it became like it was actually a satirical poet who used this term for the first time during the roman empire to explain like the gladiator the gladiators because that was the big entertainment at that time and i think this thing kept being using historically ever since or even before but it didn't have a name per se so i was telling my sister even like if you think about um, Paris and Versailles, 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 and that whole castle was built by Louis XIV because he wanted to put the royal court into a place altogether outside Paris and make them have their luxurious lifestyle, their opulent parties and all those things. So actually he could gather again and the power, the political power, the nobility was trying to take over and actually control them because they were just so, you know, in their own little world and not really caring so much about politics anymore. And I think this can lead us to think, what about the present? What is our bread and circuses, you know? Like, what are the distractions that are being fed to us all the time so we don't pay attention? At the beginning, it might not have been the government, of course, who it wasn't the government who created social media, but the data available there has been used not only by big companies that want to sell us things all the time, but also by governments. So, and I think it's so clear that this is happening on social media because maybe in the beginning we saw more like personal accounts of people just, you know, showing their stuff to their friends. But now we see like it's really towards entertainment, people creating stuff, people creating content, those little dances and, you know, funny reactions of stuff or maybe even filming their puppies or whatever. So they are, the users themselves are creating this type of entertainment for themselves because they want to get, you know, attention and recognition in those platforms. So it's become like an entertainment platform that can be used by anyone, 
and that any creator can use that for free, for free. Not really, right? But, <laughs> and the funny thing also, like you said, not only big companies can use that, but also the government, but also they're shaping the way we behave. It's not only like they're observing our behavior and knowing how to use that in their favor, but they are actually being able to input some information in us, you know, and change the way we, we perceive things and change our behavior and our, you know, our ideas on many, many things. Yeah. Even like the disengagement maybe on relevant issues can also be one of them, mm -hmm. right? Because it's crazy, crazy to think like you're watching the stories on Instagram, for example, the same amount of time that you're going to spend watching, like seeing someone's post about, I don't know, a funny dance or puppies or this and that is the same amount of time you're going to spend someone who really posted something about climate change or something, someone who posted something about civil war. And it's just the same time and relevance that are given to any topic. And I think our brains cannot process that information very well. And it's really distracting because you might, okay, you see a very bad news and you're like, worried about that but one second less than one second after you're actually seeing something funny so i think it's really hard for or hardwired physical structure of brain to deal with that information like what's really important here you know and like you said those systems they're built with like machine learning right so everything we do they can track better than a human so it's constantly improving, constantly learning our behavior, and they can tell who we are, our tastes, our emotional state, our cravings, our desires, our weaknesses, everything is, is really insane. And like you said, it's not like, of course, our data is a product. Like if it's for free, it's not really for free, right? If someone is giving us maybe we're the product, and it's not only our data, but like our behavior, how we are interacting with those brands with those platforms with with each, other. with each other yeah so it's really important to take a deeper look into that because it's so ingrained in our daily life social media and it's it kind of creates an addictive pattern because it is the whole device is created to give you a dopamine rush right so you want to keep coming back and the interesting thing is that because they know so much about you, they can predict things. So even like biases, you will keep with your bias because those platforms, they want to keep you engaged, right? So you're only being shown information that they think is relevant for you or that you will interact with. So most, most of the things you see are things that are aligned with your, your ideas, you know, with your bias. So you never see the other side of the coin. So I think this creates a lot of division. And people, they're not able to get into a discussion about things that matter because they only see one side and they are only presented one side, you know. That's really problematic, I think. I think. And like, I don't know if you guys that are listening to us watch The Social Dilemma, the documentary, but I think it's fascinating how Tristan Harris, he explains like that fake news spread six times faster than real news on social media and just 
think about the scale, the probability that you're getting some fake news in your feed or whatever you're looking up your information is really, really big. And of course, it's going to cause division because the more sensationalistic, the more, you know, the contrast, the bigger the contrast, the more traction it gains. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to create polarity. And if you watch documentary, it's really scary. Like, people ask, like, so what's the biggest, like, what are you afraid is going to happen to those, like, specialists that work in Google and Facebook, Twitter, etc.? And some of them are like civil war. On the short term, civil war. And this can happen because they're manipulating elections and democracy and patterns of voting or not voting at all. So it's really scary how things can get manipulated. And we're just like puppets, you know? Because maybe sometimes we don't perceive that things on the small scale, things on our day-to-day our day-to-day activities they can really influence things on the big scale you know maybe they think oh i'm only going to change my behavior or something if there's an i don't know like a governmental intervention like a public health intervention you know like now everyone has masks and they cannot stay in closed spaces very close to people so that's like a very big external intervention but actually the small things in our day-to-day life, they also change the way we behave and they also change, you know, if you're being, if there is the same input every day on your mind, suddenly you don't even realize, but you're already believing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though in the first place you thought, oh, that's crap, you know, but then after a while, you, you're really, um, even without knowing sometimes. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think they use psychology very, very well. Like the engineers who are programming this and like the designers for those apps. And I think it's important to talk about social validation, right? I mean... Intertwined with social media. Yeah, because Instagram has around a billion users. TikTok, 1.1 billion. That's a lot of people. (laughs) That's really a lot of people. And they're all being shaped, basically, to learn how to interact with this screen, with this app. And like we were talking about, um, we as humans, we have certain needs, right? Everyone craves attention. Everyone craves, have this desire to be seen and heard and understood. And if you have like this platform in your hand that is giving you that, of course, you're going to like it. Who wouldn't like it, right? But the thing is, when we get our social validation only from that, it can mess up our psyche really bad and cause a lot of like mental health issues. And also, I mean, those platforms are competing to see which one can bring you more validation faster. So they know how your mind works. And at some point, like your subconscious is being tricked into this game of cards, right? Because consciously you're like, of course, I don't need a like to be okay with myself. But down deep, do you really don't need your friend to say, hey, like, I recognize you. I see you. I like you, you know. So it's really complicated. I think also, um, especially like, like I mentioned before, especially with younger people like teenagers, Mm -hmm. 
they still don't know. I mean, some maybe they some know, but most of them they don't really know who they are. They are still figuring out, you know, who they are. They are still figuring out who they, what kind of people they like, what friends are good for them or not. So many things, right? About their personality, their lifestyle, whatever. So sharing this openly is very vulnerable, I think, for them. But it's the, I guess, the most vulnerable population that gets more into that somehow, those teenagers. Because, like you said, in this stage of life, having social validation is like maybe the most important things for them, Mm -hmm. especially because of how schools work and all that, which is very bad, in my my opinion. (laughs) So, you know, they want to be popular and have many friends and all. So I think they can, yeah, they can, they can be trapped in that situation with social media. And comparison, of course, comparing them with models on Instagram, with influencers, with their friends. And not everyone looks the same, you know. That's why it doesn't matter how many filters you have. Once you take off that filter, you're going to look like yourself. And you should be okay with that. But I guess most people are not. I think I agree. And the documentary we mentioned, The Social Dilemma, it shows a very, very scary number of data about the number of suicide rates of young people. From 2010 onward, it escalates in a, in a way that we haven't seen before in history. And that's like the turning point when social media really grew and when like middle school aged people started being on social media and like the the, first generation growing up with social media yeah so it's been only what a few generations now like two one two generations and we can see the impact so i don't i think if we if those negative impacts right yeah the negative oh boy we have we have seen the negative impacts in so many fronts like we said, democratic fronts, manipulation of votes, now suicide rates, now this and that. If those companies are not regulated to, you know, respond to those problems they are creating, what a mess we're, we're getting ourselves into. And what seems really innocent, right? Like, it doesn't seem to affect anything, but like the tiniest inputs in a billion of people, well... That's a tsunami. That's not a wave. <laughs> and also, go ahead. Hmm. I think we can also mention how, although we don't perceive we are being manipulated or observed or studied, you know, we are. That's the truth. Every time we pick up our phones and open one of those platforms, or even when we don't, we are being observed. We are being tracked. We are being studied. They're, they know everything we do, everywhere we go, all the people we interact with. So yeah. we are being observed. And I think this is our next topic, right? Yeah. Do you want to start? You, you can go on. Okay. Bye. So the last topic we wanted to touch upon this episode is about control in social media. Yeah. And... I know it's going to sound cliche, but I think it's important. There is a comparison we can make that help us to understand. 
most, I don't know if you guys heard about Foucault's theory about the panopticon that he writes in the book, Discipline and Punish, that was written in 1975, but he uses this idea of the panopticon. And first I wanted to explain what that means, right? If you haven't heard of it. So the panopticon is this piece of architecture that was created by Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Benton. And he's also the father of utilitarianism. And it's basically the circular structure that has was created to be a prison. Think about it, <laughs> a prison. And there is this lighthouse kind of in the middle where the guard would be. So the light would flash and all the prisoners, the inmates would think they're being watched all the time because it's circular. So the person in the middle can watch everyone all the time. And because the light is coming from the inside, they cannot see if they're being watched or not. So they have this constant fear that they might, if they do something wrong, they'll get punished because they're being observed. And I think this makes a pretty easy metaphor for many things that are happening nowadays. And of course, I mean, this was first, actually, there wasn't even Jeremy who created this. It was his brother who was working, it was like um, industrial revolution at that time. And they, his brother was working in Russia and like training some unskilled workers in Russia. And he said like, it was really hard to see if everyone was doing the proper job. So he created the circular structure so he could watch the, the workers to see if they were doing properly. And then Jeremy visited him and said, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do the prison like this. But that was for sure for many other things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah so, I mean, stadiums are, can be like that. And Jeremy even proposed, Jeremy Benton even proposed, so it's like I'm close to him, right? Jeremy Benton even proposed something to be used in a good way. So, for example, in a courthouse where the judge could sit in the middle and hear everyone's opinion. So you can use in different ways. But this can also be considered a surveillance, surveillance mode, right? So Foucault saw this idea and he's like, this has been used, is being used by disciplinary societies, right? Is it control that lead people to obey to the prevailing rules and norms because they think they're being watched? And if they don't want, if they do something wrong, they'll be punished. And I think this central eye panopticon thing can be seen in CCTVs. And it can also expand to digital surveillance and also data capture. But the trickiest part is that nowadays we don't have like the camera in our faces when we're watching our computers. Like we think we have our privacy. We think no one is really, you know, there's not like a big camera on the other side, like, seeing you and taking notes of what you're doing, but actually there is. We're just tricked not to think there is. So I, mean, I think it's important. The point is also that it's not only someone else watching us, you know, like the government or owners of big companies watching our data, but we are observing each other as well. So yeah. there is this social pressure, there is this comparison, there is this regulation that happens within those platforms. You know, if, only if you see the bad comments people get when they when they talk about something that is a little bit controversial, right? I think you can give us the example, like of governments using this as well. Yeah, <laughs> I saw a study that Harvard made about how the Chinese government employ many people <clears throat> to write comments on social media and on websites defending the government's opinions. 
So they, they not only spread what the government wants, but they also defend it. And it's like a lot of people. So there are like many, many comments or interactions online that are fake, that were created by the Chinese government to input um, a certain opinion on the public and to regulate them as well. Not to count all the, the filters that go on to you know filter all the messages, all the contents that are available on the internet in China, right? So yeah. it's just a, an example of how sometimes we don't even realize, but we are being our opinions are being shaped all the time by certain institutions, by certain interests, right? Mm. And I saw also recently with the recent events in Afghanistan, like things are being shaped in a certain way as well. Like I saw this news on Al Jazeera and they said that, um, quoting them, as Taliban fighters made their entrance into Kabul, polls circulated on China's heavily censored social media comparing the event of Mao Zedong's taking of Beijing in 1949. So, I mean, this shows pretty obviously, right, how we're being controlled on social media. Of course, some countries have more legal structure to kind of don't allow that manipulation to happen so much, but still. So we wanted to, go ahead. So I guess we wanted to um, talk about this today because with everything that is going on in the world and knowing that everyone is using those platforms, I think it's important to bring up those topics and to discuss, you know, um, how much are you aware that you're being used by those companies and by institutions as well? And be a little bit aware. Of course, it can be fun and can be nice to contact your friends and, you know, post beautiful pictures online, but also be aware of what's going on behind the scenes, right? And that you are also being manipulated by it. So, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. We're not saying like the leader of social media, of course not. We also have social media. But what we're saying is just, Pay attention to what's going on. You know, if know that you're in a certain rabbit hole, know the world is bigger than your feet and try to get informed. And if you're willing to use the social media for a certain purpose, know why the social media works in a certain way. Don't get just blindly into anything, you know. So what we want to say is like inform, get informed. That's all we want to tell the world. And you can also do little things like use search engines that don't track your search history you can install like chrome extensions that delete stuff for you and like follow different like read different newspapers and all those things like try to get outside your bubble because the bubble is being created for you you can put a tape on your camera <laughs> yeah put a tape on your camera people like you can buy those little things or just like a sticker anything will work <laughs> but yeah do what you can to protect yourself. And I mean, you don't want to be just another puppet in the whole puppetry scene, right? So become a human being with a thinking mind. That's all we want to spread. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. If you did, please leave us a like, comment down below and share with your friends or leave us a review on the, on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time and for listening to this podcast. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. See you next week. And if you have any suggestion of videos or topics you want to listen here, just let us know. Thank you so much. Goodbye.